Welcome to a learntolearn.org podcast. We are here to support your learning, taking off the limits that we have accrued to our learning and adding in those ingredients that we've learned from world-class learners that have made them the best so that we can each update our own programming and become the best learners that we can be. We're really glad that you're here to share some time with us. We hope that this brings you exactly what you need today to better engage in your life and your learning. In today's podcast, we're going to spend time understanding what it takes to focus and how do we overcome distractions and all the other things that pull us away from that kind of focus that we need to get done what it is that we've determined is important to us. Of course, we'll cover some of the more traditional things that people think about when they think about what supports developing a greater focus. And we'll go past that. We want to look at how the brain functions around this, particularly the reticular activating system, and how to engage that to bring about a much better focus. We'll also spend a little bit of time going back over some of the things we've covered in other podcasts here, but from a different angle. You know, things like how our beliefs impact our focus, how our fear of overwhelm impacts our focus, how to engage motivation to bring us into focus. We all know that experience of trying to get something done and our attention goes anywhere else. Or we start into a project and then all of a sudden we find that we're somewhere else, that we've been doing something else for a while and forgot all about what it was we were trying to accomplish. We want to really understand how does this happen? How do we overcome that tendency? How do we build a better focus and how do we sustain that focus so that we can be successful at learning or whatever else it is we're trying to do? So let's jump right in with some ideas, some approaches. We're going to start with an approach that we have talked about before in other podcasts, and that's the use of binaural sounds. Binaural sounds are a technique where we put into either ear differing frequencies. Let's say we put in the right ear, we put in 200 hertz, and in the left ear, we put in 210 hertz. There are apps online that are easily accessible that will do this for you and make it really easy. If we put in 200 in the right and 210 in the left, the difference between those, that 10 hertz, is the resonance that the brain goes into. It looks at that difference, it responds to that difference, and goes into that state. If we listen to this 10 hertz difference, our brain over a bit of time comes into that 10 hertz or alpha state. If we did it at, say, 16 hertz, we move into a beta state. If we're doing it at 40 hertz, we would move into gamma state. So in alpha, we're in a much more relaxed sort of meditative state. In beta, we're in our typical kind of alert day-to-day state. And in that gamma 
a state we're in, a highly focused, more creative state. So we can use these to engage in and train our brain, get it used to being in these various states. So if we want to be more focused, for some people they would say we want to be in that beta state, that 12 to 38 hertz range, or they might even say we want to be in the gamma state above the 38 hertz, up in 40 hertz and and beyond. And those can be a very easy, powerful way to begin getting the brain used to being in those more focused states. On the other hand, if what our tendency is, is to go into a very agitated, anxious, sort of hyper state, and we lose our focus because of that, we might want to practice more in the alpha state to just train our brain to calm down, to be more relaxed, to be more receptive and focused in that sense. So this is an easy way to begin working with our brain. And the cool thing about it is that this is done with headphones on or earbuds in. And you can do this even while studying, even while working on a project. So this is just, in a sense, running in the background. And with a little bit of practice, it becomes very comfortable to do this. So again, look on your phone. You can find a number of different apps that will provide binaural sounds, and you can find which one works best for you. Some of those have preset frequencies and programs. I tend to prefer the ones where we get to choose exactly our own frequency, and with a little bit of practice with those, a little bit of experimentation, you'll find just what works best for you. Let's talk about some of the things that adversely affect concentration. The most obvious one are distractions. We're constantly bombarded by things in our environment that tend to pull our attention. We're going to get to this much more specifically when we talk about the reticular activating system later in the podcast. The environment that we're learning in or prepping in or whatever it is we're doing, of course, makes a huge difference this way. One of the factors that plays a big part these days is our smartphones, our cell phones. And there has been research showing that even just seeing our cell phone when we're trying to concentrate acts as a distraction. Our mind immediately goes to all the things that that smartphone means and have I checked on this and what about that and what else could I be doing? Just having it in your environment where you can see it when you're trying to study often acts as a distraction. Our brain is constantly evaluating every signal in our environment to see if it's something that it needs to attend to or not. And given that our brain only has so much attention if that attention is being used by some level of the brain going, do I need to attend to this? Is this important? Does this play a part in what I'm trying to focus on right now? The less distractions we can have, obviously, the better we're going to do. The next thing that we want to talk about is sleep. Sleep has such an important and huge impact on our ability to concentrate as well as all the obvious health issues 
and the potential for restoring our system appropriately. If we have, even for one night, not had enough sleep, we have lowered alertness, our thought processes are slower, and our concentration is reduced. If we have chronically insufficient sleep, the whole process, of course, gets to be much worse. And our very ability to reason, to be logical, can become very affected. It also, obviously, even further affects concentration and memory. A lot of our memory, of course, is formed while we're sleeping or taking breaks or that sort of thing. If insufficient sleep has led to difficulty in concentrating, clearly it's going to be hard to make clear memories because our brain wasn't all the way there. So the encoding process in our brain is not well supported in those cases. We have done a prior podcast where we covered some ways to enhance sleep. It may be helpful if you're having that kind of an issue to go back and review that podcast as well. The next thing we want to talk about is the impact of not getting enough physical exercise. The interesting piece with this is our brain uses, by some estimates, three times as much oxygen as the muscles in our body. Exercising increases our oxygen uptake and provides over time, if we get enough exercise, a sort of higher set point for our function, our breathing, and our overall oxygen levels. Sufficient exercise also really changes our neurochemistry. We all know that when we get up and do something vigorous, we almost all of us feel better at the end of that. We feel more alert, we're more able to concentrate, and our memories get better. So we can see the evidence for this in our day-to-day life. The actual research may take this further and make it more specific, but we know out of our own experience how important getting exercise is. The amount of exercise necessary from the research seems to be about two and a half, three hours of exercise a week, which spread out over a week is not that much per day. Some people will tell us, well, you know, I don't have time to exercise because I have so much studying to do, so many things to get done. But without the exercise, those things are much less effective and efficient. It's pretty obvious to any of us. We all know we need to get the exercise. Just do it. Just make it a part of your schedule. Build your schedule around the exercise if you need to. We should mention multitasking for a moment. Some people claim that they do even better when they're multitasking or that multitasking doesn't take away from their focus. It does. In some people, they handle that better than others. You really need to be honest with yourself. How well does that work for you? If I'm listening to music in the background, for some people, that helps. For other people, it becomes a major distraction. If we're talking to somebody on the phone, at the same time we're trying to study, does that really work? Again, for some people, just being connected to somebody else 
lets them focus better, settle down more, assures them of their place in the world. And it has a degree of effectiveness, but for the most part, it becomes a distraction. Meditation and practicing mindfulness is something that's often recommended for developing better focus, better concentration. And there's lots of studies that support this, and certainly people that have done this find that this is true for them. Learning meditation is sometimes a challenging process to go through, and a lot of times getting results takes a while. It does develop the circuits in the brain in a different way and the attention in a useful way. An alternative approach to this is contemplation. Meditation tends to be about calming the mind and learning to be still. Great skill to have. Contemplation is a much more active engagement of the attention. In spiritual processes, contemplation often involves putting the attention on considering spiritual attributes, qualities, and such things, and can be very powerful used that way. In our day-to-day life, contemplation can be done in terms of putting our attention on something that is worth really thinking deeply about. If, for example, we imagine what it may have been like for Einstein to think deeply about how things work in the universe and the thought experiments that he did, this will give us some sense of what one variety of contemplation might be. We're picking a subject and then primarily within ourselves going deeper about that subject, exploring it with our attention. This develops our concentration, our focus, and our ability to understand and make connections between things. This is a process that many thought leaders and other deep thinkers use consistently and have become very good at. A lot of the creativity that we see in the world comes out of this sort of deep concentration, consideration, contemplation of a topic, of subjects. And just doing this can really promote the outcomes we're talking about here today. For many of us, this comes more readily than trying to shut off the mind, trying to meditate in the common way of thinking about that, and yet can produce quite a substantial result fairly quickly. The next thing we might consider is taking short breaks. Sometimes people will say, well, but that just interrupts my focus. And it certainly can if we try and take those breaks too often. But it also gives the brain a chance to, if you will, regenerate the neurochemicals that it needs and all of that. But it also, based on the research, what we've seen is that it gives the brain a chance to integrate what you've been focusing on, what you've been learning, what you've been planning, what you've been working towards. Also, if you've been focusing for some time and you get to the point where you feel stuck, sometimes it's great just to get up, move around, increase blood circulation, get oxygen to the brain, and think about things from a different perspective, and then come back to the task again. 
we know that there are people that will, you know, every three minutes go, maybe I need a break. Well, that's not what we're talking about. But if you've been at it for 20 minutes or a half hour or an hour or whatever is your endurance, to stop and take a three-minute break and move and restore yourself and refocus and think about what it is you're trying to do and then come back to your tasks, this can be quite helpful. We also all know, and we've talked about again in other podcasts, that we need to eat well. We have to put good fuel in the body to get good outcomes. Can we get away with it now and then, eating something junky? Sure. But in the long run, good quality foods, and I don't think we need to go into those here. Most of us have some sense of what that would be, particularly, particularly cutting down on sugar and things that convert very quickly to sugar and using things with good quality whole foods, we know that those do promote thinking better and being able to concentrate and focus better. It also really helps us to focus, to write down our priorities. What's important to us today? What's important to us this week? What do we need to get done? Particularly if we set it up the night before, and imagine ourselves waking up in the morning with that list, that vision in front of us, it helps the brain to come into focus. Then it knows what matters. It knows what is important to get done. Also make sure when you're setting those tasks out to break those tasks down into small enough chunks that it doesn't seem overwhelming so that we can go, oh, I can do this part, this part, this part, no problem. We can at the end of each of those chunks, we can feel that sense of fulfillment, of satisfaction. Okay, I got that part done, and that gets us enthused to do the next part. If you are chronically feeling overwhelmed, go back and listen to podcasts that we've done on overwhelm and motivation and such, and that will help you a lot. It also helps us to switch tasks occasionally. If we've been working on something long enough that we start to feel really distracted or bored or such, and it's been a while, not like, oh, it's been two minutes and I feel distracted or bored, but if it's been a while, change the task. Focus on something fresh. That often restores our attention, our enthusiasm, gets us engaged again, and then later we can switch back to a prior task and finish that out. Recognizing the importance of concentration and focus is the first step in engaging in all of these. When we look and see in our life that, well, if I was just more focused, I would have been able to get so much more done so much more quickly. I would have had time to spare to do other things in that if I was more focused, I would be getting better grades, doing better at work, fulfilling more of the goals that I have and living my life in a way that is more fulfilling to me, when I see that, that engages, creates the motivation to really dig in and learn how to focus better. We're going to finish up the podcast today by talking about the reticular activating system. We mentioned it earlier on. And we find that a lot of times if we have just some sense of what's going on in our bodies, in our brains, why things work the way they do, 
it makes it more interesting, gives us a bit of inspiration. So let's talk about this a bit and see if this gives you other ways to think about how to enhance concentration. The background to talking about the RAS, the reticular activating system, or any other part of the brain, or even talking about neurotransmitters or anything to do with physiology, is we always have to remember that it takes place in a much larger system, that the RAS doesn't function independently. And that's really one of the fundamental points of talking about it, is its importance is in sorting out sensory information and what it's going to, in a sense, let in and what it's going to filter out. The RAS doesn't do that independent of everything else. It is constantly informed by other parts of our brain as to what's important to filter out and what's not. We'll get into that. So the very first thing to talk about when we're talking about the reticular activating system is that it is a structure in the old part of the brain. If you put your hand on the back of your head, that's going to cover much of the area that the RAS resides in. It comes up out of the brainstem. It's often described as being about the size of a pencil, and it extends from sort of those deep structures in the brain further up into the brain. And what the RAS does is that it is constantly sorting through all of the sensory information that's coming into our system, looking for what's important for us. What's important for us to be aware of or what's important for other parts of our brain to have access to. There are millions of signals coming into our brain all of the time. Many of those are things that would just be a distraction to us, unnecessary things at the moment. You know, the noise down the street, the bird outside, the tapping across the way, whatever it is, that stuff, it's really important to be able to sort out, filter out, and drop out. There are studies that have been done with parents living by a noisy airport and they have a newborn baby. During the night, they're sound asleep. There's noise from the airport, often loud noises. They sleep through it all. And then the baby even whimpers and they're immediately alert. They hear that. That's the reticular activating system sorting out, oh, this is important and that other stuff isn't. That happens all day long. And clearly this has a very big part to play in us being able to concentrate and not be distracted. If the RAS doesn't know that the noise down the hall isn't important to us, it might be alerting us to that when we're in the middle of trying to read something and distracting us with that. On the positive side, let's say we're looking for an object that we've set somewhere. We're not quite sure where we put it, but we know that it's red. And so we start scanning the room, and we don't really see all the other things. We're just scanning for those things that are red. And 
it pops out. That's the RAS doing this for us. It's the part of our brain that can most help find what it is that we're looking for, trying to understand. Let's say we're studying and we're trying to understand a new concept, and there's a whole range of material in front of us, but we're looking for things that relate to that topic. The RAS, in conjunction with other parts of the brain, will pull those topics out and highlight them for us so that it makes it much easier to focus and concentrate on those particular things and everything else can, in a sense, fall to the wayside. We talked in another podcast about doing speed reading. And in that, we talked about looking for significant groups of words, not every and and but and the, but the fundamental concepts in what we're reading. The RAS helps us in conjunction with other parts of our brain to pull those out so that we can dramatically increase our learning, our reading speed. And on it goes. So this becomes a very, very important part of the brain for concentration and focus in in these particular ways. Now, it's also influenced by the beliefs that we have. If we have the sense that we're not going to be able to find the object that we're looking for, that's the message that the reticular activating system gets and will comply with. It will go along with that belief that, oh, I'm not going to be able to do this. I'm not going to be able to find this. Well, by extraction, if we have beliefs that say, you know, I'm stupid, I'm never going to learn, well, it will cooperate with that. It will help bring that about. So the podcasts that we've done on how to upgrade beliefs become very important for bringing into focus our ability to utilize the RAS, allowing us to extract the information that we need to be able to grab onto those things that are important for the outcomes that we want. So the RAS acts as a very important gatekeeper. It determines what gets in and what doesn't. If we're learning a new thing and it's important to us, it's in part because of the RAS that we start seeing things that relate to that concept everywhere and we start building that network of understanding. Oh, this concept relates to this and to this and to this, and I see how they are connected. So to go back to the area of beliefs, the RAS also plays an important part in validating our beliefs, both our positive beliefs and our negative beliefs. So if I think that nobody likes me, I'm going to find evidence of that everywhere because the RAS is going to help me recognize messages that could be interpreted that way. It's also going to play a part in confirmation bias. I may see something around me that confirms that, oh, nobody likes me. Whether it's true or not, it will help us to highlight the pieces of that experience that would seem to confirm our belief. 
or if I have the belief that I'm smart and I can do anything, it's going to highlight those things in my experience that confirm that. It's going to show me the sensory data that feeds into and supports that belief. There is a lot of hard research on the reticular activating system and how it functions and what it connects to and what it activates and all of that. There is also a lot of speculation in terms of how this plays out in our day-to-day life. And you can find so much about this online. Here's the important part of this, at least for our purposes, and that is be very clear about what you want, what you're looking for, what your outcomes are, what your goals are, what you want to focus on, and the reticular activating system will help you to do that as long as your beliefs and your identity are congruent with that. It will enhance that process. It'll make that possible. Now that you know that it's there, that it's in your brain trying to help you in these ways, make use of it and see how much better your focus can be and how much more directly you can reach your outcomes by being very clear now about what it is you're up to, what you want to focus on, and what outcomes you want. Thank you for listening. Our purpose is supporting your capacity to learn and to attain all that you can imagine. We hope you use the perspectives and exercises that we have shared. Feel free to send us questions, ideas, experiences that might benefit our listeners via learntolearn.org, L-E-A-R-N-T-O-L-E-A-R-N.org. Finally, please help others by sharing our link with your friends, family, and other loved ones, since how you learn is how you live. Thank you.